Okay, good morning, brothers and sisters. Um, Pastor Wilson, uh, my name is Ken, uh, as Paul mentioned. I uh, can't believe it's been two years uh, since we, we first started here at, at Renew. Um, Pastor Wilson is uh, out of town, I believe out of state, speaking at a, a conference. And so um, I have the privilege to be his sub for today. Um, I used to be a teacher, and so I hated having to get a sub because it took longer to prepare a lesson for the sub than it did to actually teach the lesson itself. But pastor, as a pastor, I guess he didn't prepare this message. <laughs> I had to do the work. Okay. Um, we've been looking into, we started a new series on the book of Romans last week. And, um, and Romans is a very rich, very deep, it's probably... Uh, if there's one book that encapsulates the gospel message, if there's only one book, the book of Romans really dives deep into that. Um, it lays out in detail the gospel message. And so that's why in some uh, Christian ministries, uh, they use the book of Romans. They call it the Roman road, where it guides you through the whole entirety of the gospel through the book of Romans um, alone. Um, so Pastor Wilson started with the first chapter, and we'll be looking at uh, verses 18 through um, 32 uh, today. And, um, and I'd like to just start by reading the passage, um, but the way I'm going to process the message today is going to be a little bit different. Rather than kind of expositing the passage itself, I'm going to be sharing from my own personal story of, of how this passage... I guess, in a sense, provide a personal context for this passage using the story of what God has done um, in my life in the past and how this, um, how he has made this passage real to me. Um, so if you can join me in prayer first, and then let's look into the God's word. Father God, we ask for your spirit to be here with us, Lord, as you guide um, the words that come from my mouth as well as the rest of this, this worship service is together as we as a church um, Look in your word and examine it and examine our hearts, Lord, and um, just ask that your spirit be guiding this service, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. So if we can look into, um, I'm just going to read this passage. It's, it's a pretty long um, passage. If you want to follow along on the screen or on your Bibles that you have with you, um, please do so. <clears throat> Romans 1, starting in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. 
For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. There's much that can be said in this passage. Um, and, um, and again, I'm going to be sharing simply from my own story and of how God has made this passage real to me. In these early chapters of Romans, Paul lays out the gospel message. And a big part of this gospel message in these early chapters is simply helping, making the argument for why we need the gospel. Until we recognize why we need the gospel, then why, you know, why should people listen to what the gospel message itself says? So I'd like to share my testimony for how God revealed his power for salvation. <clears throat> um, I was looking at my son's yearbook. Uh, he's in third grade now, so his yearbook from second grade, and looking at you know what the other students had signed in the yearbook for him, in his yearbook, um, and about 90% of the kids in his class said something along the lines of, you're so smart. <laughs> and um, I, I, I'm not sure what gave him that reputation. Um, but that's the reputation that I had when I was in school. Um, and I had, uh, I had the privilege in high school, my two circumstances, my parents moving to Taiwan, um, of attending probably one of the, the elite private schools in, in Asia. I attended Taipei, Taipei American School um, in Taiwan. And while I was not the valedictorian or the salutatorian of my graduating class, um, I can say that I tutored the valedictorian and the salutatorian <laughs> of our class. Um, and so I knew that God had given me a gift in academics, um, intelligence, you know, just, just being smart. But that was a gift that God had given me. And I absolutely wanted to use that gift to glorify him. I believe that God had a plan for me for how to use this, um, the gift of academics. Um, I believed that I was called to get a PhD in physics and then earn um, uh, get a, a job at an elite college or university um, teaching physics, and that then that academic um, field would then be my mission field. That was the field that God was calling to me, a very unreached community um, that you can see. Um, and so the first step for me to do that, of course, was for me myself to get into a top-notch college or university. Um, so I applied to two schools. Um, MIT and a little science and engineering school called Harvey Mudd College in Claremont. And I mean, I had absolute faith that I would get into 
the, those schools. Um, but the school I really wanted to go to was Harvey Mudd College. Um, from the moment that I received the junk mail from Harvey Mudd, I knew that that was a school for me. The junk mail is what they, uh, you know, when you, after you take the PSAT, you get all these mails from, from colleges, and, and, and Harvey Mudd's kind of recruitment letter was literally junk mail. It said junk mail on the front, and it looked like one of those cheap flyers that you throw away. Um, and that just won me over because of the quirky humor and the quirky um, uh, attitude that that school had. Um, my mom probably didn't share the same confidence that I had, um, and she made me apply to uh, Berkeley as a backup. <laughs> now, when my acceptance to Harvey Mudd came, um, I have to admit that I took a little bit of some delight in writing a letter to MIT to saying that I was not going to be attending that school. Now, I'm saying these things not to boast, but to set up how epic my failure was subsequently, later on. Things actually went well uh, my first year at Harvey Mudd. Um, I had the privilege of, oh, I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> I had the privilege of uh, getting um, on the dean's list, you know, for academic honors. Um, I was doing well. I was involved in the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship as well as at my own um, home um, church fellowship group, youth group. Um, I had the opportunities to do, you know, apologetics with the, uh, my dorm mates as well as my friends, um, and just really everything seemed to be falling into place for this plan that God had um, had set me for. Um, and <clears throat> it was hard. I mean, I, it's it's it was it was definitely a challenge that I um, had not been expecting. Um, some of you may have read uh, Greg Wan. He's, he attends Art Center of Pasadena, and or and he talked about just how how hard that can be. And so he kind of relates and understands that. We have a saying at Mud that um, there are three things in life: uh, studies, social life, and sleep. And every week you get to choose two of those three to do. So everything went well my first year. Um, and then in the summer, before my sophomore year, um, I got a car. And <laughs> now, um, it wasn't just any car. Um, it was a B13 model Nissan Sentra SER. And probably to most people, they're looking at this as like, it's a Sentra. <laughs> What's the big deal? Um, but if you are a, an avid car nut, um, you may recognize this, this car, actually, maybe if you're a little older. Um, it's kind of interesting. Just, just last week, one of my uh, friends on Facebook shared this post, um, kind of this, this article from Road and Track, looking back on this car. This was the um, epitome of the sporty econo boxes back in those days. Um, so nice car, fun car. But of course, it's, you know, it's just a car. You know, it's the purpose of the car is to go get groceries for, you know, for school uh, and bring kids to, to, to youth group on, on Sundays and, and, and Saturdays, right? <clears throat> and, um, of course, it's an SER. You know, it's a race car. It's, it's, a, it's, it's made for sporty uh, racing. And just to make a long story slightly shorter, um, I started to street race. Um, 
and um, and it's I, I don't remember what was the very first race that I did, um, but 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 that got me hooked, um, and from that very first race, um, I just ended. I could not get enough of it. Um, it's it's interesting for those who know me. You know, I'm pretty laid back. I'm I'm like I'm not prone to emotion or competitiveness, but. When my sinful nature really comes out, I can actually be really ultra-competitive. I do not like to lose. Um, and that was the way I drove. Um, that any time someone pulls up you know, next to me at a light, I'll check them out and see what they're driving um, and if they want to go. And if they want to go, <laughs> we go. Okay. It's uh, I, um, just, just a few examples. Um, there's one time I pulled up next to my physics professor, <laughs> and we actually raced down the, the street in front of our school um, together. Um, and it really, uh, and it got pretty excessive. Um, There's another time where I was taking some of the kids in my youth group to, to church, and they were, so I had the kids in the back seat. Um, I was waiting at a light, and another car kind of just pulled up right when the light turned green, and he kind of jumped the light. Um, so of course I'm like, "You're not getting in front of me," and I hit, you know, I hit the gas, um, and and suddenly I realized that uh, that the car next to me was a black and white, um, and so I had almost raced a cop car on my way to church with kids in the youth group in our back seat, and yet. With all of these examples and situations, it, I cannot stop. Um, I, 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 every time I said, you know, that's that's it. That's I'm not going to do this again. This is this is crazy. Um, the next time someone came up to the light and tried to get in front of me, I would I would jump ahead. I would I would race them. In the book in Romans, uh, one in that passage we read, verse 24 and 25, it says, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And sin, in this sense, is a corruption of what is originally good. Um, it's when the created thing takes the place of the creator as the center of desire in our lives. Um, and that can be any number of things. You know, it can be a car, a car. it can be uh, talents and abilities, um, it can be sex, it can be any number of different things that take the place, take away from our desire for the creator and said our desire is for that which has been created. And this car became the object of my desire. Um, it became my complete obsession. Um, I would wa- hand wash it every week. I would like wax it and hand wax it one every month. Um, it and then of course I would spend a lot of time just going out to drive, um, even to the point of skipping classes at times just to just because I didn't want to go to class because because I wanted to go driving. So my social life, my my studies, um, my sleep. They all went out the window. Um, my spiritual life became completely non-existent um, during this period of time. 
Um, because beyond just the actual street racing, like on the stoplight, that wasn't really what I was uh, was as deep into. Um, I soon found out about mountain driving, mountain racing. And the school in, is Claremont, and it's at the foot of Mount Baldy. And so um, I started racing on Mount Baldy Road, um, as well as uh, Glendora East Mountain Ridge Road. And um, that's a nice little picture of that. And that road is a lot of, a lot of bad things have happened to, to a lot of people on that road. Um, if you uh, know about that road, if you've been on there, it's, it's very windy. There's no you know, cell reception. There's no lights. There's no dividers or lines on the road. Um, and so if you're racing there, that's, that's, uh, you can expect something bad to happen. And, um, and I had a lot of close calls myself, uh, a lot of close calls. That, and I simply could not, simply did not know why it was that for someone like me who was considered to be you know, rational and reasonable, that I could get so absolutely consumed and lost in this thing um, that made no sense at all, um, where I was putting my own life and other people's lives at risk, why I could not stop doing this thing. And that's what in Romans, you know, in the verse 32 of that passage where it says, though they'd know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And this absolutely described me during this period of time. And it got to the point where I just kept telling myself, you know, if I keep doing this, I am going to kill someone, um, if not kill myself in, in an accident. Uh, some of the friends or acquaintances that, that, that I race with, I saw bad things happen to them um, during our races, and, um, and yet I still couldn't stop. <clears throat> when night in particular um, just made me realize just how out of control it was for me. Um, I was driving late at night down the Highway 71. This was before it was kind of redone and paved and nice. It was just back then it was just a little two lane uh, with no lights and just just very empty road. Very, very, very empty road. Um, and I thought I saw there was a car, you know, I was driving and there was the car that was trying to pass me. Um, I saw it out of the corner of my eye and of course I was like, not going to let someone else pass me. And so I thwarted it um, and got just way, very unsafe speeds, let's just put it at that. Um, finally had to slow down, you know, because there was a light coming up ahead and more traffic and stuff. And I was like, what is, you know, this car, you know, during the whole time, the car was not leaving me. And I just kept pushing harder and harder and harder. Um, and then finally, when I came to a stop, I looked to see who it was that I had been, you know, keeping up with me. And I realized that what I had seen was just a reflection of the moon off the seatbelt buckle on the side. And, and that I was just like floored because it was just, how crazy can I get? You know, how reckless can I get where just even I'm racing a reflection um, in my eyes? During the um, <clears throat> the semester finals for uh, for that semester, 
uh, I finally had a night where I broke down and, um, and got on my knees just by the side of my bed. It was the first time I prayed in who knows how many months. And I just begged God and just said, that, God, you, you need to take this away from me because I cannot stop. Even if it takes, you know, when you're getting in an accident, a crash in the car, please help me stop this, this hold that this racing had, has on my life. In that list, you know, that, that Paul gives in the book of Romans, there's a pretty long list of, of sins and unrighteousness that he, he gives. And I believe that we can all identify aspects of ourselves in, in that list. Um, for we have all fallen short. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's important for Paul to list that because before we can grasp the power of the gospel, this good news that God has for us, I believe that we have to acknowledge and admit the inescapable hold that sin can have on our lives. That sin locks us in a prison that we cannot escape by our own power. And this was probably the first time that I really realized just how sinful of a person that I was. You know, growing up the whole time, I was, quote, the good kid, the good student, the good son, um, never really did anything that bad. Um, and, and because of that, I never actually had ex- felt that I had ever experienced the power of God's salvation. And so this was the first time where I acknowledged to God that I absolutely needed saving, not by my own abilities, not by being good on my, by myself, but I was absolutely desperate, could not do anything of my own abilities to save myself. In, later on in the book of Romans, uh, Paul talks about, uh, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. And that does describe me exactly. That I, for whatever reason, well, of course, because of that sin that's in me, all the good that I wanted to do, the plans that God had had for me, that I felt that God had called me to do, I could not do those things. Instead, the, the, the evil that I did not want to do, I kept doing those. And when we're trapped in that sin, there are many things that we can do to try to ease you know, the guilt and shame that we initially feel. We make excuses, we rationalize, we self-justify, we promise never to do it again. The greatest danger is when we are so fully given over um, to these sinful desires that we no longer even recognize or consider them to be sinful. So what is this gospel? What is the good news? And the good news is that God can rescue us even from the depths of our depravity. There is no prison that we can lock ourselves in or be locked in that God cannot rescue us from. So after the finals, um, after we finished the final exams for that semester, um, we, I was packing up our stuff, you know, from my dorm to bring back to my house. My cousin, my younger cousin, was there with me, um, and so we were driving, you know, home from from Mud to to my house, and uh, 
my cousin was suffering loaded in the back. And um, we came to a light. We were on Baseline Road, and we came to a light, and the Camaro pulled up beside us. Um, and, and, is, and just like that, that same old desire came over me. Um, when the light turned green, we both punched it, and we both started racing. And um, I think the uh, Camaro was like an automatic, and the person had like three people in the car. So, so I was actually ahead of 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 the car, and um, and there was you know we reached triple digits. Um, and, but then there was a light that came that was up ahead. There was an intersection, so we slowed down and started slowing down, easing off. Um, and then suddenly, there was a car that had been parked on the opposite side of the road, made a U-turn directly in front of me, and, um, and crossed over the center line, and just, just barely a split second, I had enough time to kind of twist the wheel to the right a little bit so that I avoided you know, T-boning the car. Um, but, the, but, but that car uh, hit the side, the driver's side door, the whole left side, um, and spun us. Um, and later on, the police report said that we slid you know, about over 300 feet and in the oncoming traffic lanes um, through an intersection uh, sideways and, um, before coming to a stop. You know. and, um, and I really, and even during that time, you know, when you're sliding, sliding, you know, you hear the Hollywood, all the sounds and everything, but I, all I remember was that it was completely silent. You know, even as we were sliding, you could, there was like tire smoke filling the car, but it was completely silent. And I remember thinking, even as we were going sliding, you know, God, I think he just answered my prayer. And, um, and I'm very thankful that that God answered that prayer and gave that crashed that car in a way that no one got hurt. Um, the other driver was fine. Um, you know, my cousin was okay, and I'm just so thankful for that because we were, as you said, we were sliding in the oncoming traffic lane, and if there had been a car that happened to be going the other way, it would have T-boned you know, my cousin, and my cousin might not be here today. And I remember going home after you know, the police came and did the reports, and the car got you know, towed away, and my other cousin came and picked us up and brought me home. I remember finally opening my Bible for the first time in what probably was, seemed like months. And I did the thing that you're never supposed to do, uh, which is to just open it up and see what it says. And so I just popped it open, flipped it open, open kind of near the middle, um, and it was the book of Ezekiel. And the first thing that I saw um, in that passage was this said, Son of man, with one blow I am about to take away from you the delight of your eyes. Yet do not lament or weep or shed any tears. When this happens, you will know that I am the sovereign Lord. And God was speaking directly to me at, on that time. I know, knew that this was the act of God to rescue me from the prison of my sin. That God had taken away what had become the absolute delight of my eyes, this car, um, it was also the chain that was locking me in this prison, and God had taken it away from me and rescued me. And that's the power of God for our salvation. You know, 
maybe for us, we have different areas or prisons that we have locked ourselves in. You know, maybe for some of you, it is a car. Maybe for some of you, it is recognition or pride or sex or just any other gifts or things that have taken a place of desire for God. God can rescue us from that. God can free us from whatever prison that we that sin may lock us in. And for the first time, I recognized and acknowledged and, and felt the power of God's salvation. And in Romans 1.27, um, oops, uh, you know, Paul talks about receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error, and that is a very important thing um, for us to realize that sin, when God, even when God can rescues us, that it's not, there is a real cost to sin. Um, it's not often like this completely blank slate. And because of the, this, the semester that I had, you know, in driving and skipping classes, um, I'd missed out a lot on my academics. My academics was, was going down. And even though at the start of the second semester, I tried the best that I could, I realized I just could not keep up um, because I had too much stuff had been lost, too much knowledge had been lost in uh, the time that I had, had spent. And so I just completely gave up on this plan that God had had for me of becoming a professor in physics and you know, being doing apologetics there. Um, instead, decided to just go into something completely different. And I wanted to do, go into music ministry <laughs> and just you know, maybe sing and do ministry through music. And I decided to transfer to Biola University. And the only reason I decided to choose Biola University is because my older cousin happened to marry someone who had graduated from Biola right at that time. I knew nothing else about this school. Um, I just knew I wanted to get out of it because I felt that I had completely failed God. Um, I, you know, stopped, I, I did like one paper for one of my classes, stopped going to class about halfway through, completely skipped out on the finals, final exams, um, and, you know, and knew that I was going to ITR, which is what they call ineligible to re-register, which you get if you, your cumulative GPA goes below 2.0 or if you fail more than half your classes in a semester. Um, so finished that semester off and just felt like a complete failure to God. A few weeks into this, the summer, I got my transcript, um, from my final transcript from, from MUD, and I looked at it, and it was as bad as I thought it would be. Um, I, the first thing I saw was the GPA for my semester was a 1.31. <clears throat> and just for me, for someone who had been, you know, the honor roll student, president's list, you know, the top one of the top students in my class, that was a very, very far place to fall from. And then I looked down a little bit lower down, um, just at my status, and was expecting to see, you know, ITR, fail. And I was surprised to see in a statement of standing that it said that it withdrew in standing satisfactory. And I was like, how can that be? I failed half my classes. And then I looked back up at the, the actual grades, and I saw, you know what? Well, I had a good grade in Shakespeare because I like that class. I had a good grade in choir because I like that class. Um, and that one paper, you know, I failed my two physics classes, but the one paper that I did for my history of science class was enough to get me a D in that class, which is above failing. And so I actually did not fail half my classes. I actually did not ITR. 
And I mean, honestly, that really doesn't mean anything in the big scheme of things because you know when you transfer to another school, you start over with a fresh GPA. So it actually meant nothing academically. But it meant everything to me because this was a sign from God that told me that I had not failed him, um, that he was giving me another chance, that despite how far that I had fallen by myself, even through this dark period of my life where I had com completely been given up to sin, this was a sign that God had not given up on me. And there was this um, post, I think, I think it was from Corinne um, that I stole this from. I saw this, this quote, and it, it was just, just struck me. And it says, if you think you've blown God's plan for your life, rest in this. You, my beautiful friend, are not that powerful. And that's what God was telling me, that despite how badly I had failed him, he didn't consider me that I'm a failure. And so I started fresh at Biola and decided to go back into physics. Um, and, um, and it opened up a new perspective to me that instead of just doing physics for the sake of getting into a mission field where I can teach, God showed me that I can do physics as an apologetics, as a ministry. And I went on to do you know, degrees in theology and, 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 and in science and theology. And that became this new calling, this new chapter that God had for me. Um, and... And this is my story, and, and yours will be different, may be different. Um, but the gospel that I've shared with you today is just as valid, is just as strong, is just as true for all of us. It is for all of us, no matter where we are at, no matter how far we fall, feel that we have fallen or have failed God, um, there is nothing that can escape because God is more powerful and our failures. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your salvation, Lord. We thank you that you are all-powerful, even more so than despite how we try to run or drive or just fly away from you, that you are powerful indeed. If we can acknowledge and turn back and just admit that we cannot handle things on our own. We thank you for your salvation, Lord. Thank you for your power, for your grace in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name.